Hello, my name is Jason Hyde, and today I will not be attempting to socialise. <laughs> Feels weird saying it actually that I'm not. Uh, the day we're going to be talking about some delicious TNA. So I'll do. I don't even know if we're in the same order on the screen, but I'll start with like reading a book. So first we have Billy Strachan from SWN Scottish Wrestling Network. To be fancy, how are we? I'm all right. I'm excited to be here. I've I. Dean said he did research beforehand. I just watched the first Spike show and the first Impact show yesterday. That's it. That's my whole research, so well prepared. <laughs> That's all right. I never prepare for anything. Uh, next, we have Kurt Johansson from the aptly named Kurt Johansson show. Hello. Oh, mate, you pronounced it wrong. What? It's Johansson. I'm Scottish. We don't have culture. <laughs> I'm hello, not even totally sold that I'm pronouncing my own name correctly. But I'll maybe do it next time, depending <laughs> on your behaviour. And thirdly, we have from the wrestling, the prize fighter Dean Ford. Hello, also Dean. Hello, also me. How are we? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm feeling. I'm feeling all right actually. Uh, I took a. I took a cheeky sticky off work, so... I mean, I don't feel actually... Ill, just... to this or get what do you mean you hope my boss... Maybe listen to this? No, I'm actually not well, so just make sure you keep your distance for the screens, just in case I cough on you. At least two mirrors. Ah, you might shit your pants. Not that that's what's happening to me, I'm totally clean. <laughs> With four shows today. So I, how... How can I... Are we in our TNA? Can I stuff? What's your... What's your kind of end zone at? Jump in whenever he's decided to. So, like, I just like, like 2003, oh, 2005, to be honest. I've been That's watching like, a lot of that recently. Uh, just before we were doing this, I've been watching a lot of that. Uh, like, with me, TNA is similar to like, my WWE things. I only watch things for like, a certain time zone, and then anything after that, I'm not interested. In modern? Unless it's something big. What was. Like, like, were you into it before, like, going back to watch it, or was it, like, something you found later on in the day? No, I, I was a, a wrestling channel geek. That's how I found yes. TNA in, like, 2003, 2004. Me and Kurt actually spoke about this on, on his show quite a wee bit. And I, I did actually watch it, by the way. I just have a terrible memory, I promise. <laughs> Don't quiz me on it, but I did watch it. But I, like... After WWE, that was like my first kind of insight into other stuff, and obviously this new company be the six-sided drawing in the sex division, that, and I was like, this is fucking cool, man. Give me some of that. And Kurt, when, we, when I was in your podcast, we were talking about that was kind of mostly your kind of main company you watched at the time. Yeah, for it'd been a few years to be fair. Um, just focusing because I, I didn't have Sky. And before I knew it, I was only just like keeping in touch with WWE through the games. So I was I was all TNA. And when people are like, "Oh, who's your favourite wrestler now?" I'm like, "Well, I used to like The Rock, but now my favourite wrestler is AJ Styles." <laughs> and they're like, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> or when I'd say Samoa Joe, and I'd show him a picture of Samoa Joe, and still they're still used to big jacked up guys, and I'm showing them Samoa Joe, and they're like, "What's that shit?" And I was like, "You need to watch it." And I, I was just showing all my friends what TNA is all about like that that was me like if it wasn't uncool to like wrestling I was even uncool to the wrestling fans because I was like <laughs> fuck WWE I'm TNA like I was bottom of the barrel <laughs> <laughs> you're scum <laughs> remember that time though see because it was a, 
a new alternative and it was so different. I fucking loved it, man. Like, I kind of... No, stop watching WWE, but TNA around at that time was like my jam. I was like, fuck that shit. Yeah. This is what it's all about. And Billy, do we still have Billy here because his face has disappeared? Yeah, I don't know why my videos disappeared. It doesn't matter, we're in an audio podcast. Um, I, miss, which, I miss you dearly. Which, which is making the, the James Storm t-shirt even worse of an idea. Um, right, <laughs> I, I started watching, yeah, same wrestling channel, and then I recorded on VHS Turning Point 2004. Um which of course had Elix Skipper walk in the cage and oh then it recorded Final Resolution and um, which had Kings of Wrestling so I was all in and then I kind of faded away from it when Val Venus turned up so that was just when the Monday Night War was supposed to begin um, and that's when I kind of went away from it so what was that 2010? Right, that's, that, that's, enough. that's a good enough reason Val Venus is a good enough reason to leave Ending from a fandom to a room, like yeah. you're allowed to, just because he's. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Maybe I don't know. He's a total but... stop asshole. <laughs> don't <laughs> wait, it's all right. See, I actually seen my my notes because I was well prepared and taking them down in like ten minutes. I literally just have a part that literally just has underlined Elix Skipper <laughs> because he's fantastic, and I had no knowledge of him other than being the guy that done the the ropey walk thing. So why it did, was like, sorry. Why did it just say unknown bot joined Skype and now I can see a video of yourselves? Don't know. Maybe we've been hacked. But if it, it's all right. It's maybe my FBI agent. I think his name's Frank. I'll show you. Uh, they they're here. T H E Y apostrophe R E E E E E E E. No, nobody's remembering that one. Mind when uh, Jeff Hardy turned heel. For no reason. Oh, I remember a lot of people turning heel for no reason, but not the Jeff Hardy one. Uh, yeah, it was they did a Mont- well, Montreal screw job kind of thing. Obviously, not in Montreal; would have been in Orlando. And uh, they hyped up um, like some sort of faction, and yeah, Jeff Hardy turned heel, and that's when he he got his stupid belt and his probably bag of smack and uh, didn't have a very good good time after that I mean I actually didn't mind that belt I thought it looked quite cool can we talk about the Jeff Hardy's thing just to get out of the road because that was absolutely abysmal man. oh that was that was really like for me that, that was just sad oh we almost got Billy back oh we've got Billy oh, back I'm back hey oh, so we, oh he's back again <laughs> uh, no but the no oh. That was nice while it lasted. <laughs> Plenty of emotions here. But yeah, like, with the Jeff Hardy one, it's just sad to watch, man. Nice. Like, obviously, at the time, I can imagine it just being very confusing and probably infuriating. But, it, like, in hindsight, it's definitely just a sad one to look at. I'm glad I, he's doing better, though. You the full story. I, it is sad, obviously. Although, fair play to Sting, because I would have just panicked in that situation like if somebody's maybe forgot a spot or something I'll be alright but see if somebody's come in out their nut and can't walk and can't just lie down and take the pin to be honest just let them fall on me to be fair though he came through like the attitude era the Monday Night Wars most people was on drugs back then anyway so probably oh, yeah. different and there was no video games in the locker room that was a, a, a fact you just didn't do it <laughs> Well, no, hang on. Wasn't, wasn't there a, a time where Test was playing the N64 backstage and losing? 
and on SmackDown. Oh, with what's Kurt? Oh, Kurt's left. Take it, see. I'm sure he'll join soon. Oh, there he is. No, it's Billy. Oh, he's back again. This has gone so well. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but aye, what were we talking about again? Um, Archdera. Oh, no, yeah. Video so, games. Everyone takes drugs. I mean, I think Undertaker would have just seen him play the video game and be like, I've taken this personally. Oh, that's very distracting. Uh, Bye. I don't get. I don't get that whole thing. But I also don't like. I don't understand how somebody could literally be in like, the backstage area wrestling, showing that, and have the time or space to play a video game. That is still impressive to me. But see, speaking of Taker, actually, was there not a time where Abyss was going to get like the call for WWE to take his streak? <laughs> Partly I so. Don't, I don't know if it was to take his streak. I can't remember what WrestleMania it was, but it was all lined essentially for Abyss to go to WWE to face Taker at Wrestlemania and it was the year that Taker had a an handicap match that involved Albert uh, Wrestlemania oh. 19 yeah and I can't remember the reason in being I think it was just he wanted to remain loyal to WWE they offered him a new contract and I think it was a case of TNA of of always being like loyal to him and created like Abyss so he just wanted to stay with them yeah, I, mean, yeah, I was going to say I was quite surprised that he never went because some of the shite big guys they brought in around about that time like Nathan Jones and stuff like that like Abyss would have been great what star of the condemned Nathan Jones of course Condemned a great film oh it's amazing like I never realised how close to the bone they were playing it with Nathan Jones when they um, like they gave him like a kind of criminal gimmick and he's actually a criminal. <laughs> like that's that's the maddest part of it all is that he's he's living the gimmick more than most. <laughs> I don't know about Abyss though because he's not doing actual legal stuff in WWE so he's actually living the Joseph Parks gimmick. Which by the way I'm not a fan of because everybody says I look like him and I'm not a fan of that part. Or <laughs> <laughs> abyss. Tributes come back, and you're just abyss. Ah, aye, of course. Like no, you're, you're, or, you're mankind. We've already decided aye. this. I, I'm already mandem kind, and I'll do a grime rap while dressed as mankind. You can do double J. Oh, I hate doing that. I'm too fat and bad at cardio for that. Save for some cash. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be. <laughs> it's, I'll be alright fair enough actually if it's you I'll do it for you but that's just because you know how good I am and therefore you know I don't deserve paid but yeah some you other stuff I was kind of like in regards to TNA some other stuff I was kind of looking at and kind of impressed by was see at the start because like have you seen the first broadcast they did and like right. they're, they're hyping up a women's lingerie battle royal and you're like, right, this is just going to be kind of more of the same. I can imagine at the time anyways, but then they were actually quite ahead of the curve on women's wrestling as well. Oh, definitely. The stuff with Gail Kim, like, that's what... People say WWE started the revolution, but would they have got those opportunities if what Tarrant Terrell, Gail Kim and Awesome Kong was doing? Like, Awesome Kong and Gail Kim's feud was absolutely outstanding, and then Tarrant Terrell comes into it, and she did some great stuff like the last knockout standing matches and stuff were fantastic I was always a big fan of Taylor Wilde she's always my favourite isn't she coming back apparently so um, listen to her podcast sounds like she's 
on our way. I'm still so Maybe. buzzing that ODB's back as well. Oh, and she's not on my list, but the girl Kim Kongfield is on my list, but ODB's stuff is brilliant as well, man. Oh, man. I don't know why, but for the longest time, I thought she was shoot married to Samoa Joe. Turns out she isn't, but for the longest time, I just for some reason thought that. She's not married to Ken Anderson or something. So I'm like, somebody that matters less than us, at least. But I, I think what I, I liked like about their division was with, with WWE, it was all like models and stuff. And then like you had Kong and ODB and they were just like the polar opposites. They were like big, hard, real women. But I'm not these weak kind of divas. It was just total contrast. ODB is one I, of the gimmicks that I genuinely believe. Like I don't know if that might just be like half turned all the way up. I would, unless I knew her, I would, I would genuinely believe that she is just being herself kind of thing. Oh, like, well, like, she has a meat van and stuff, don't she? <laughs> really? Yeah, that's, she has like a, she has like, she has like a meat truck. That's on par with Medusa living her gimmick of driving monster trucks. <laughs> Well, I never didn't Luna do that? ODB was actually on Tough Enough. I was watching all Tough Enough and came across it on it. I mean, the, one of the best things I like actually about like watching old TNA is like, see how like comparing where folk are at that point, like in that card. Like for example, Consequences Creed was just a pure, relatively, it was like kind of relative mid card. And then he's one of the biggest stars WWE have got today. And it's, like I, I quite like seeing that kind of progression for the internet as well. Like that quite intrigues me. I actually love lethal consequences, man, as a tag team. It's such a like simple but clever idea, isn't it? And now look at both. Like Jay Lethal's huge as well. Like they've done great things. Oh, he's the in the foundation now, I believe, in ROH, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's got a title match at the nineteenth anniversary. Like with Rush. Yeah, I always want him to come back to Impact though. Like, he deserves that world title. Ah, he was great, man. Even like, obviously, Black Machismo stuff as well. But even just as Jay Lethal, I thought his division running that was brilliant. Wooing that Ric Flair. Oh, brilliant. Have you seen the meme of that where it looks like his two dogs are cute? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. But not another one. So they drop the elbow and the suit jacket. Now that is fantastic. Did Rick Flair do any promos in TNA that I've missed? Where he also just made himself bleed for no reason? Probably. Oh, I <laughs> loved that, didn't he? Wow, absolutely intense and mental gentleman. But another one that I've seen actually that I, I didn't even know he was in TNA at any point was uh, Lance Hoyt. Now Lance Archer. Oh yeah, I was right at the start. Came in with cash. He was everywhere. He's been everywhere. I did not know that. I just thought he was the ECW guy, then New Japan and AEW. Uh, he'd been about for years, man. Because was... I was quite surprised to learn his age as well. He's 44. Yeah, he was teaming with uh, Kid Cash for years, multiple tag team champion. As Dallas and, uh... at that time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. He was on then... tight for a bit in TNA as well. Mm. Yeah. His name's Lance Rock. I was another Rock and Rave connection or something. Yeah, Lance like that. Rock and Jimmy Rave, the Rock and Rave infection. That, Infe- that was awful. <laughs> infection. Like, what was, was it infection? I don't know. Christi- I think Christy Hemi was the infection, but I'm not sure. 
Hasn't Jimmy Rave just become, a, become an amputee? <laughs> no, I'm, be, I'm being serious. Apparently, um, he tweeted about it saying people wanted visual proof. I, I've got the picture here. Like, he's had, he's had to have most of his arm amputated. Imagine Jesus. you're no amputee. Show me a photo here, I don't believe you. What, what kind of thought process is that? I know. I, know. I, think because, I think it's because he had like a um like a just given page or something like that. I oh, think people was doubting it because he's actually messaged me a couple of times like, Hey, I need money for this thing. Hey, I need money for this thing and then it was hey, I need to get amputated and Oh, just education. I wasn't one of the people that said show me proof. <laughs> so wait, that's mad to think about it. In America, you need to pay to get amputated. Yeah, that's fucking wild, man. Why do people wrestle there? Your arm might kill you, but for us to chop it off, like you gotta pay his money. You can do it yourself mad. or free and just stick it against the stove. Just watch Vikings. <laughs> Or The Walking Dead, actually. They do that in The Walking Dead. <laughs> Walking Dead. <laughs> but no, I can't, I can't imagine like what he's gone through to have to get that. Though. That's fucking crazy. But yeah, Lance Hoyt was class in TNA. And then he had that ECW shit to go on a more light and hurt. Um, and then New Japan. I love how in the ECW, though, here's how we'll make him more like, scary and mental looking we'll just give him a regular ass short back and sides and shave yeah. his beard like what's that he just looked like a he looked like a jobber and then you realise when he was next to people that he's really tall and he just looked like a tall jobber no disrespect to him because I do think he's br- like I was about to say brand new I don't know him but like he, he's heavy good <laughs> and he was also good at the time although I don't like baggy baggy trousered gear and he had baggy trousered gear they did something similar though with Chris Harris, didn't they, when he went to WWE? Like, they just didn't use him, and then less than a year he'd been released. Uh, I know it's. Knock, knock. It's the same with Kazarian. I remember seeing all these like, vignettes. Frankie the Future Kazarian has got to appear on SmackDown, and then he did like, three matches, and then you never seen him again. Do you know why? It was his choice, that. Was it? Yeah, he asked for a release because they promised him the world and was like, you're going to be one of the faces of the Cruiserweight because of all the stuff he'd been doing in TNA and the X-Division. And then, before they know it, he's constantly wrestling on Velocity and before they know it, it's like, yeah, we're not really going to be featuring the Cruiserweight title as much. So he's like, well, I want out then because what am I going to do? Oh, I heard he, he yeah, refused to Kai's hair and then asked for his release. Well, that must have been the rumour going around the Observer around about the, the time. Damn it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you done this? <laughs> but no, man, see, I was, I don't know why, but like, I know that I'm saying that I'm not a fan of them, because I definitely are, but like, his stuff was more like, it was never like long kind of feuds he has, it was, it was more just matches, like individual matches and stuff, but like, the X Division, we can't really go this whole podcast without directly talking about the X Division, it's like their thing. And cut, game changer, man. and cuts the champion. So, like, <laughs> yeah. yes, wear it with pride. Everyone's favourite NWAT anytime. Uh, can't, can't believe you're not doing video. <laughs> the one sure I can like pull out the exclusion title, and it's not even on video. 
Oh, don't worry. I'll get you. I'll get you holding the title on the on the poster for it. Chris will still be making a poster. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, like graphic designer just chained up. She's like, <laughs> division title on him. Do it. <laughs> but I, I was watching a lot of Ultimate X matches, and they were for such a weird concept. They're really really good. That was another thing for me watching TNA because it was so different to anything like anybody else was doing. It was so good, man. So oh, dangerous as well, but like that obviously adds to you as a fan. Oh, somebody can get hurt. This must be good. <laughs> well, one of the I was actually watching. They made like this big, like they made like their see how like their don't try this at home. They made it like a half hour segment of a pay per view about um, Jesse Sorensen. Cause he like took a knee to the head and then like fully broke his neck and I don't think I thought he was retired but he showed up in AEW no longer. Yeah, he was on NXT as well. I know he was looking absolutely jacked as well. Like in TNA was this clean cut like he looked like he was just out of an American college and now he looks like he's like like if The Rock was in a grunge band. It was it was so, it was so good though before that injury. It was so good, and I believe there was loads of shit with him getting released as well, where Dixie Carter was like, hey, yeah, we'll, I'll look after you, like, obviously you broke your neck for my company, and then before they know it, they're like, eh, we're not going to keep you. Oh, I because they told me that job for life. I, I had something like that as well. I, I, know, I, did, I, I actually think I read that when I watched that uh, pay-per-view, but to be fair, like, obviously with that big half-hour safety message, I then instantly forgot because Amazing Red popped out and I have became recently like a massive mark for Amazing Red. So good. Oh, Mind when, un- uh, mind when Amazing Red was managed by Don West. Yes, I do. <laughs> Amazing. Like, see, to be fair, right? See when Amazing Red won the X Division for, I think, the first time? Like, you can tell that like, him and Don are pure, like, genuinely buzzing. Like yeah. they're, they're actually going after he'd like football hoodlums. I hated it when they tagged him up with Crimson. I was like, oh, come on, the guy's so good. Why do you do that to him? One Crimson is brother. <laughs> KFM, brother. Aye. Oh, wait, red and color, It sounds like red. Crimson. <laughs> to be fair, though, didn't Crimson have such a good um, undefeated streak and then they just gave it like a a random flattened him. I wasn't that actually thinking. rings a bell, I think, eh? I'm sure he went on like a year on undefeated streak and then just lost to some average person. Or might be somebody decent, but it wasn't a meaningful loss. It was just like, like a random TNA singles match. I mean, no, no loss to Matt Morgan is meaningless. Everybody that ever puts Matt Morgan over has done the world a service. I mean, to be fair, he's one of the ones that they managed to do something with when WWE just genuinely couldn't. It did become their niche for a while, though. Where, like, kind of, it was a bunch of outcasts and rejects for WWE. But I think, like, there comes a point where, like, there's only so many wrestlers that are on that level that, of course, some of the ones that have been there are going to show up. Do you know what I mean? Although yeah, I don't know, how, I don't know how I go with like the whole Hogan thing and that. That still was very, very bad in every sense of the word. That's the thing. Like they, they did bring a lot of good guys in for WWE and done good stuff for them, but 
that was even early doors when they were putting good stuff out, like bringing in Liger and Macho Man, and like there was no need. No, especially with the amount of talent they had, definitely. And then obviously Hogan and that later on, it was like you're doing so much good stuff. Don't fuck it with this horrible button. You know what though? I did enjoy the Fortune and Immortal stuff. Like it's one of my favorite probably TNA moments where Fortune had joined Immortal, which what Rude, Kazarian, uh, Storm, and Styles, and then Abyss is like they're here, they're here, and then I think it was Hogan is like where they're like we were they. What you want about and then Fortune they turn around and Fortune just do like the four horsemen sign and start beating the shit out of them and I was like get it I I enjoyed that's probably my favourite part of the Hogan era like that run but I don't know it just kind of took over everything yeah I mean that is to be expected with Hogan like it's not as if anyone was surprised that it happened the way it did but like I definitely just wouldn't have had him for the start I don't think as soon as I got rid of uh, six sides, that was that was them dead. Aye, because that was their like niche. That was like their main kind of thing. I mean, obviously they still had the X division and stuff, but like they still had the elevation. No elevation X. We don't. Elevation X was bad. That was really bad. I watched the Rhino and uh, AJ Styles one last night where AJ what just. That again? It's where they're on top of it. It's like the, the Ultimate X, but there's an actual boardwalk across the X, and whoever gets thrown oh, off first loses. And literally, the whole this whole match was essentially leading up to Rhino. Like, you could have just done this as a spot or even a finish. It was the two of them very gingerly walking up and doing this X. AJ Styles hides inside the structure thing and legit Rhino is looking for him for about 10 minutes he's just like I don't know where he is and he's like you can literally see his feet sticking out and all that and Rhino just made himself look terrible hurt the worst gore I have ever seen in every life I've lived and then he still doesn't fall off at that point and then the finish is just he stamps on his fingers a bit yeah, not the not the greatest. What about the um, suicide? So when it was Frankie Kazarian, his suicide, that bump with Christopher Daniels on the Ultimate X was just ridiculous. See, the bump that got me with Ultimate X is see, cause the, especially because it wasn't technically necessary, but it was good. See when AJ Styles takes the drop kick when he's hanging, it, it does a flip. <laughs> see the timing on that? If the timing was wrong at all, he was fucking career over man wow it's i've seen it a thousand times and i know he lands fine but it's just so gross to watch especially because his leg goes off funny when he lands no i was i was opposite because i was watching it was it the day or last night and i kept reminding it and i'm like trying to work out how did they get the the timing of the swing because that could have went so wrong and it just made it work it's like they literally had one chance in a thousand to get in it right. I, I don't think there's many to like other combinations of people that would have got it as right as they did. To be fair. Well, that that match I need to put over, obviously AJ Sabin and Peter Williams the Ultimate X because there's so many creative spots in that match, like mm. the Hurricane Rana and like I think there was one somebody was on somebody else's shoulders and then somebody fell after the Marana and stuff. Just so creative, man. Like that just shows you, like adding that structure just can change a match completely. 
I mean, the, well, obviously, they guys, uh, other guys wouldn't have done it because there's been other Ultimate X matches that have just been shit. Who was it that tried using a ladder in the Ultimate X match? And no, I'm is. sure the yeah. one, there's been a few people where they've started incorporating ladders, and it's just like, don't make it a ladder match. No, like that should be the one thing where you get fucking taken out of the match. Like, you get disqualified if you lose. What's the point? Like, well, the one I can remember, I think it was like a, a spot where, was it, Billy Ray was, I don't know if he got a referee and he was trying to climb a ladder as a big heel to like cheat and then all the baby faces kind of beat him up and shit. So it kind of worked, but I, if you're just using the ladder and it says a ladder match, it's like, takes away for the whole funny the thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I think that was uh, Machine Guns versus uh, Team 3D, and then Team 3D lost, so they had to make weight in order to wrestle. So if they were under what 210 pounds, they could wrestle that night, which was fucking yeah, that ridiculous. Up there. I, I... See the the Triple Threat Ultimates you were talking about though. Like, I just watched that one as well the other day, and it is it like it holds up so well. AJ Styles as well, man, like. See his psychology in that match? It's unreal. He, like, sells the arm and then... Like, see when he's, like, climbing up the... the I don't know what to call I... it. And he, like, he can't jump, so he has to, like, keep climbing up again and stuff like that. Just wee tiny things. It's like... I guess there's another oh, spot where he, his arm gets lodged in, like, the, the side bit. And he just dangles. Aye, and then he tries to climb the, the ropes and his arm gives way, so he falls and stuff. I like that, aye. I think another um, like good part of that match, and it's the same way the see the Styles, Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels, like the the really famous triple threat match with Amos. The, the resolution. Like, yeah. No, um, which Unbreakable. one was it? Unbreakable 2005. Five. I was about to say nine, I'm very wrong. Uh, yeah, but see, like, with both of the matches, like... You know with triple threats you often see like one guy get creamed at the start and then it's two people run a spot, they come back in, somebody else gets put, two people run the spots. So, like there wasn't really any of that in any of them. Like it was yeah, just, just a constant flow. It's definitely I'd say the I'd say the best TNA match I've saw is probably the the triple threat ultimate X match for me. But like the two of them are well up there, man. Oh, Oh, definitely. I actually seen another one that was really high up there for me, which was the a street fight or no DQ, something of that respect, with Bobby Roode and James Storm, and it was like King Mo was the enforcer. Yes, that one. That was mental. My favorite, probably one of my favorite storylines in TNA. That build. I just think talk about creating two stars that were tag team wrestlers. Uh, the whole run of. Um, Bobby Roode running through Bound for Glory series, getting to angle, losing, and then they give Storm a shot as if like Storm didn't have a chance and for him to win. And then Roode, that heel turn, like Bobby Roode was the best thing in wrestling during the Hit Factor what? run. Yeah. Like, he was incredible. Like I I totally agree with that. Like see as well, like the match itself is like because Bobby Roode is he's obviously fantastic, but he's no somebody that you would really associate with that. Like he is like a pure, like a worker, like rather than more of a kind of no DQ hardcore type of guy. But like, it's everything makes sense in it, and everything looks ridiculously brutal as well, except for the part where you can quite clearly see it's sugar glass because the beer starts pouring out the bottom of it before he bottles them. 
But other than that, but it's I like it. Seeing you get straight up workers like that, and then they add that kind of different element to our game with and stuff like that. It's like, obviously, I always talk about the match with Angle and Shane at King of the Ring. But Angle never ever done gimmick matches. Yeah. And then it just showed that different side of his game there, and just like tore the roof off the place. And like, if if you're a good worker, you you can do anything. Do you know what I mean? And if you just show that, I think it just takes you. Your level up. I think that was a big part of the the matches where AJ Styles were in the matches as well. Is that he seems to be like you can hinky anybody he had good feuds with, especially in TNA. Like you put oh. him in the ring with Christopher Daniels and it's got to be Magic Abyss. They had fantastic Samoa Joe. Like anybody, I just think like you can put him in with anybody and it'll be amazing. One of my favourite feuds from early early days was uh, Dion. Uh, Styles. Oh, that was like 2003, like really early. And Dilo was. I don't think Dilo gets good enough, big enough credit, man. Oh, he's definitely mad underrated. So good. And he's he's on it, started DNA, and his feud with Styles was brilliant. Some of the matches they had was ridiculous, man. Alright, let's see. There's definitely a fine line between having, like, Folk that, I know, he really wasn't at the time old per se, but like, see, they had like a lot of folk that were maybe past it and things like that. Like, I think there is definitely a fine line between like kind of what hits and what misses with that. And he was definitely just it's on like, the better side of it. Aye, but I know what you mean. But like now they've still got Tom and Dreamer on the, their shows, and I'm like, the guy's nearly sixty. Not I mean. Aye, didn't they give him a title shot because it was his fiftieth birthday? Aye, like, that's a weird 50th birthday present, to be fair. I think I got my mama a toaster for us. <laughs> but, no, yeah, they used a lot of uh, older guys at the start. Well, Ken Shamrock was was uh, their first champion, wasn't it? Wasn't he? Yeah, the NWA yeah. champion, but it was the first time, like, under the TNA banner. So, yeah, so they had him, and, of course, they had D'Lo, and they had uh, other award-winning acts when they started like the Flying Elvises oh Black my Black. god I love the Flying Elvises you actually messaged me that night didn't you about that because my Lang mind Yang. was blown that it was Jimmy Wang Yang dressed as Elvis What's, and not just that that was like the, the forerunner of their matches that was that was their opener to their company was that one of the good factions at the start as well was uh, Sports Entertainment Extreme you remember them? Yeah, with uh, Vince Russo. Uh, I think getting Vince Russo touches turns to shit. <laughs> really? I, I, I just I don't know if it's just like a, a even a back burner of dislike for him. It's just a lot of things that I know he's associated with. I just start disliking them because I, I have a weird disdain for him. It's, Why it's don't we just make David Arquette the champion? <laughs> exactly. But was that just Russo? Ah, true. But he takes the blame for it, so he gets the blame in my shallow mind. He takes, takes the blame, blame for everything, no. Yeah. And right. at the end of the day, I think what he gave WWE their best ever ratings, went to WCW, and that in his contract for WCW was nothing about pay per views, was just we need you to get our TV ratings back up. And everything he had from the period that he was there, I know put Judy Bagwell on a like 
Fuck it. We don't talk about that. <laughs> the, t- the TV rate, like the TV ratings, went up. And then he gave Impact their best ever TV ratings, where I think what Impact was getting was more than what SmackDown get now. Like they were, and like probably double what AEW were getting on a weekly thing. So uh, I think he gets. I think he didn't get the credit he deserves when, in fact, is given WCW and Impact their highest TVs, and he helped increase WCWs at the time. Some of the stuff was really hard to watch though. See, I think another thing that does endear me to interest, though, is that anybody Jim Cornette hates that much has to be doing something right. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, surely, if Jim Cornette hates it, it has to be in some way entertaining. Because it's in, in past the 1950s, he's not a big fan of, apparently. <laughs> you really watch Toots Mund matches played on the network more often. <laughs> but we've actually got some uh, Twitter questions. Thing out there. So, firstly, did any of you know that relic spelled backwards is killer? <laughs> I've, I've... I was actually watching a relic match today. I didn't realise it was that Johnny the Bull at FBI. <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm like, that looks not like. I can't even comprehend. No way. FBI. I mean, see, I'm just I'm looking just at the photo I'm doing it. That's that's news to me as well, but I can I kind of. I watched a match today and it was relic and black rain. Oh. You gotta say Dustin against Raven and Abyss. Oh, Murderers Row. Oh no. Could you just Messias in there as well? Hi. Oh, I mean, to be fair, he was quite he was quite scary. He had he oh, interviews like, I guess. Just just to throw it out, I interviewed him about the Abyss stuff, like. He never wants a barbed wire massacre match again. <laughs> Don't blame him. He, I wouldn't want one in the we. first place. Pardon? I wouldn't want one in the first place. It sounds terrifying without I anything think, going wrong. I don't think he realised like, just how bad it was going to be. Oh, I, I mean, I don't blame him because I don't think you could kind of conceptualise that before it kind of it happens. But we've actually got some... So we've, Big Benny says that we have to talk a lot about the Ultimate X Final Resolution 2005, but we have extensively but I, I think we're all in agreement that was that was really good yes very right. much so uh, what else have we talk about we have to talk about MMA enthusiast Jeff Jarrett and his double J double MA oh, open challenges the anyway, best. I take the floor on <laughs> I loved it to, I mean no, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I just I just Jeff Jarrett seems to just be untouchable when it comes to TNA stuff um, he just made everything work. Even his entrance theme was the best. Oh, I'll give you that. I loved his entrance theme. Um, but I didn't like his guitar. Uh, you could clearly see the big like firework pack on the back of it, um, which really annoyed me. I wish he would just hold his. He would have held his guitar away so we wouldn't see that on the on the camera. But uh, no, Jeff Jarrett, wholly underrated in TNA. Everyone gives him a stick because he was. He owned it, so he made himself the main guy. But everything he did was great. Well, maybe the, not. Not the King uh, of the Mountain match was awful, man. Like we can't even use that. It. It's such a weird concept to me. I like going, it. Eh, and then we the take it back. taking it down. Like why? He done a lot of things. Like there's like the reverse about, rumble and stuff. Well, that's another thing I was going to say. If I speaking about the shite gimmick matches, we can't. 
no talk about the reverse battle royale thing because that was hopeless. I, I loved it. I've seen it in its entirety <laughs> multiple times and I still have no idea how you win one of the things. <laughs> well, everyone gets that. in and then everyone gets chucked out and then it's a pinfall to the finish. It's very simple. It's very strange. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's this and then we'll, we'll do the exact opposite and do you know what? Fuck that, actually. We'll just do a normal match. <laughs> what, what was... I can't remember... The cage where it was the X Division guys and they had to climb up and it was like a chamber and there'd be the circle at the top and they had to climb through. I know what you're talking about. That's the one that Jeff Hardy was <sighs> sitting on top of when he debuted, wasn't it? That's the one Homicide got stuck in, wasn't it? Oh, uh, uh, it's alright. I'm I'm on the Google machine, so it's okay. I don't even know don't. what the. Oh, we're gonna find out. Oh, it's just giving me Brian Cage. Oh, it's the Steel Asylum cage match. It says here. <laughs> Um, which, of course, it's called a Steel Asylum cage match. Why would it be called anything else? <laughs> well, see, I'm not, I'm not really as familiar as that, because I'm genuinely, for someone who's like... Well, it was actually Dean's idea, but for someone who's organised a TNA podcast, I'm just someone who's binged random parts of it in weird orders. So I don't really have much on that, so you just can take the floor on the, the Steel Asylum match. I don't really remember distinctively any matches like I can't like oh yeah there was this but basically 10 men in a red cage would have to climb up the cage but then it'd oval round so then they've got a kind of like monkey bar across and get through like a round hole exit I don't think I can ever remember this the only thing I remember for that is Jeff Hardy sitting on top of it it was like first or second week after Hogan took over if I remember rightly, because okay. it was just after uh, Jeff left WWE um, yeah. on his last run with uh, CM Punk, and then that's when he next turned up. But if we're speaking about amazing gimmick matches, we're going for a fish market street fight between uh, Shark Boy, Super Eric, and uh, Team 3D, and Curry Man. Oh, Curry Man! <laughs> I, I don't Curryman like the Curry Man so thing. I don't like it. I don't I know why. That. Just, yeah, at the time I loved see him and Sharp Boy's stuff so good man I mean see like it was Christopher Daniels wasn't it yeah yeah he, and like, Sharp, Sharp Boy's thingy Stone Cold gimmick as well was fantastic television give me a shell yeah and that's <laughs> the fishing line <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have another question from the Sweet Chinwag podcast um, they're asking our opinion on the Ultimate X match format and if you'd ever want to work in a six-sided ring. So uh, I'll pitch that to you first, Kurt. You can have it first. You know what? Obviously, don't wrestle, but if some promotion in the UK was like, look, I know you're a cripple and you'll probably kill yourself because I will do crazy shit, but if I could work in a six-sided ring with the line... I've got the title already to hang up. Like, <laughs> damn fucking right, I'm doing it. <laughs> but, uh, and your thoughts on the Ultimate X match format? I think we've also discussed that. It's class. It, yeah, I think that's been one of the main topics. It's amazing, but anybody that tries to even use a ladder needs to be shot. Like, Amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Dean, what about yourself? Would you want to work on a six-sided ring? I've heard that like, a lot of people hate it and like people that have worked in it, a lot of people hate it, but I think it'd be really cool, man. Because it, 
it's a totally different dynamic. You would, I think you would need to get in and kind of have a wee feel for it. You couldn't just go, oh, we'll just go down and do a show or whatever. Because I think that's totally different than normal, do you know what I mean? But I'm I think it'd be cool, man. I'm laughing because there's been plenty of times where you've seen somebody from WWE go to TNA and they go to run the ropes and you see that little bit of hesitation because they're like, wait, wait, do I go? Just running and it's like, don't go left, do I go right? Which one? I think Billy Gunn was constant for it, or Kip James, or the Outlaw. Outlaw. But yeah, I think he he always looked a bit confused running the ropes. I think they're supposed to be tighter. Which is why a lot of them didn't like working with them. So, like, Billy, are you, are you running much spots in a six-sided ring also? Uh, I'll, I'll watch. Uh, <laughs> but oh, I think I think if uh, if I was ever involved in an uh, Ultimate X match, something's gone very wrong in the bookings. Because <laughs> I should not be there. Is there another company in the UK that have a six-sided ring? I'm sure. I can say um, Daryl Costello the artist formerly known as he worked with him and he did say that it, it doesn't know if it was just the ring or like the fact that it was six-sided but it's sturdy man like that was all I got for it was that it's pretty sturdy because it's built like I think the way it's built it's kind of extra layered so there's less give to it um, right. but to be fair to answer Sweet Chin pod, Chin Wad podcast sorry I've actually listened to the intake it's quite good but I, I would also work on a six-sided ring because I am not in a position to turn down work because I'm not very good. <laughs> thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> um, we've, got a, we've got another question from Tom Humphreys. Um, he wants us to discuss how great the peak Broken Universe was. And this I can actually input equally on because Matt Hardy came down up to Scotland. Dean, you were at the show as well. See when he was in East Kilbride and Kilmarnock. BCW. Right. See, before he arrived, I was genuinely thinking he was going to show up in gimmick. Like I was quite gutted that he was like, "Hi, I'm Matt," and I'm like, "Ah, uh, like why are you not going?" Ah, like, oh, ah yes, you are. <laughs> Brother Matt, I knew you'll come. <laughs> but I, he, like I remember so like that he was the biggest thing in wrestling for oh, like a year, man. a year plus. And then he went back to WWE. Oh, uh, I was I was there when he came back to so was Dean, and it was what a pop it was. To be fair, it was absolutely unreal. But then see when like I noticed that aye, the aftermath is not very good. But I don't mean they, like see the fact that he was not. It was firstly they came out in the old gimmick, which like if they wanted the old gimmick, they would have probably signed them years ago. But like see when he wasn't really acknowledging the delete stuff and all that. That's when my my heart sank. I was like, oh, shit, it's just it's just not gonna go the way I wanted to go. But at the time, it was unreal, and the hyper in it was the fantastic. cinematic matches were just fantastic. At that time, there wasn't really anything like that. It was aye, it was. Oh, it was like a it was like a, a film, man. It was like a roller coaster of emotions. So good. It was. Mm. It, so ahead of its time if you think about it as well obviously I don't think Andy would have prepared for a pandemic making that a necessity but it still holds up to the ones that are going on the new with like higher production values and stuff yeah oh, definitely I really I, I've, I've never seen them what? what? I've never watched them 
They're me, awesome. Oh, you need to watch I know of them, but I've never actually watched them. Oh, can so we can we do a watch along with you of the all of them? <laughs> oh, it, it has his father-in-law involved. Senior Benjamin. Senior the Lake Benjamin. of Reincarnation. Like, like I said, I've seen bits of it, but I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. No, honestly, well, I loved it anyway, but. I mean, it was so different at at that time before there was anything like that, really. I think he'll go back to it. Obviously, he's changed with AEW at the moment. But I think if Jeff gets released, I'd really like to see, because AEW are working with all these different companies, I'd really like to see him continue the the Tag Team Expedition of Gold, where it was like there was just... like teleporting to Mexico to go win their titles and just trying to win all these different titles I'd really like to see that like resumed and they can appear in t- uh, Impact and take the titles off in juices or actually Hello, Nero I knew you'd come I missed the Hall of Fame which I don't even slightly regret because it was the year when Hellbelly Jim spoke for seven hours and then nobody cared what Goldberg had to say uh, I missed the Hall of Fame that year. I even stayed to go to ROH where it was um, the Hardys and the Bucks yeah. in a ladder match. That was probably one of the best matches I've seen of that weekend. Probably matched only by the triple threat of DIY, AOP and the then Revival. Uh, but like that match was amazing. I think they're on in years, man. Like They're not exactly young anymore, but the two of them can still go. Like as well as ever basically and it's just mental I think like the reinvention aspect there especially because now he's running like multiple gimmicks at a time yeah he's back a big money Matt now isn't he which is much to the chagrin of Matt Tyson he's not pleased at this <laughs> have you have you heard much for Matt on that subject Dean is he upset I we it obviously started doing the big money Matt hang and then Matt Hardy started doing it on TV and it's like well we need a gimmick change <laughs> <laughs> I mean that was kind of like see how like when um, when folks said that Ewan G Mackey was stealing for Marty Scurll and there was like a poster of him doing that next to Marty not doing that it's kind of like so but it's, it's always the case of whoever's the mere famous guy folk are just going to presume it's his thing do you know what I mean uh, well true man but I see so in response to the question for Tom I think any Matt Hardy was fantastic but the Broken Universe was at just a different level of everything really aye man uh, let's see if we've got any other tw- we've got the Relic one we have to talk about TNA when they had all the talent and were fighting to compete with WWE and of course their fall when all the matches and the talent become the same crap over and over. That was from Big Bounce 55. I don't know what he's asking. Why did they fall? I don't know, but whilst we're talking, Main Event Mafia, did anybody see oh, that? I, I, oh, yeah. that is actually on my list. That was really good shit, man. Did any see? I think I don't know if it was sent into that group chat, but it was like there was a picture of like the twenty four seven title division, and somebody said that they called them the main event mafia, but like WWE's main event sign on it. Oh, it's fantastic! I loved it. Mind, mind uh, they're they're in the try to do main event mafia again, and their big surprise was Tito Ortiz. Can it go on? <laughs> 
Rampage. Yeah, it's a fight uh, Rampage Jackson, wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, Aces and Eights against the main event Mafia or something. Aces and Eights as well, by the way. I, I liked it. Plus, I hear Luke Gallows still has a big, massive trunk of Aces and Eights t-shirts. They still, like, still, to this day, doing stuff on the independents in, Amer- in America. But really? I've seen... Yeah, I saw a pro uh, post the other day where it's got... Um, Gallows, the other is it Mike Knott? The I can't remember his name. The, yeah. oh, I was that Mike Knott? Him. They've got yeah. Wes Brisker. They've got Garrett Bischoff on it, and I think they've got Dealer. Um, and I saw it literally the other day where it's coming up. There's a show in America where it's like dedicated to us nights. I'd attend to be fair. <laughs> the best part about that was Billy Ray's singles run that. I thought that was brilliant, man. Oh, I but see, he he was an R1 to be fair that obviously WWE didn't drop, you can't say WWE dropped the ball with him really. He was one of the best tag team, well, to a degree at the end maybe, but he was one of the best tag team competitors they ever had. But then like to see him go off on a singles run was really foreign to yeah. me at the time because I was like, he is a tag guy. Get back with, I that, it was with cool, your brother. Man. But at the same time, I did love it as well, but I think it definitely took some warming to just because it was different for what he had What? He used to go on about being calfzilla because he had massive calves. He does. He's a really intimidating guy, to be fair. Such a good promo as well, man. Oh, he's very good. I I, I saw him live in Preston before. It was him and Devon against T-Bone and Rampage Brown. And right. I think it was Bully tried stiffing Rampage. Mm. As if Rampage is just some schmuck on the end. There's uh, Rampage, because it was a TLC, uh, and it was just a tables match, I think. So Rampage just spun round and gave him one back. So then Bully tried to do it harder. And then Rampage was like, look, if you keep hitting me harder, I'm going to keep hitting you harder. And then the day after I'd seen him for NGW and I was speaking to him about it, he was like, yeah, look. And he just pulled like his top down and the massive print up from Bully Ray from how hard he was hitting him. He went, so he was like, I just gave him that. Like, <laughs> gave him it back. <laughs> so he tries to intimidate, I guess, but Rampage, maybe not. I mean, we also heard, like, it turns out both of them are a bit strange. We also heard about his... He's escapades with Lou King Sharp on Billy's podcast. Oh, I love Lou's Devon story, man. <laughs> it's amazing. And y'all gone feel that. <laughs> Every time we're talking about I'm wrestling imports, I always say, go tell a Devon story again. And he loves it. It's so funny, man. The one I like for you is... Why, The one I like for is... I always like the Tommy Dreamer one. Where he always goes, I don't know what you mean, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Because he's talking about going easy. <laughs> he's like, no, Tommy Dreamer, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> oh, he just. That's such a shout out to Lou King Sharp. He should. See, to be fair, he's somebody that should have been on Impact or TNA when it was at its prime. I don't know if he was too young, but he probably was. But still, he, he fits right in there. His character would have been great in TNA. Oh, I mean, there, there's a lot of people that I've always found that would like. Like they flounder in one place, but I'd feel like they were better in somewhere else. And like, he'd he'd definitely be class on TN. You know that he'd flounder elsewhere. Cause he seems to be the, the amazing everywhere he goes. But he would be sorted to TN or Shikara, cause he seems right up their street as well. Although they're not, but. Yeah. 
I know, I know it's technically a TNA podcast and, and uh, Grado appeared on Impact Wrestling, but I, I can't believe that TNA just wasted. My, uh, Joe Henry appeared as well at one point. Uh, I mean, they did waste him, but they also did give us Odarv the Great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, a big open mask. <laughs> that you can quite clearly see his cradle. <laughs> For the exact same thing, but just the name backwards. That oh, that. Fantastic. It sounds like a Dixie Carter thing. I was. Dixie Carter said the other day that. I said the other day, it was years ago, I watched it the other day, that Beer Money put tag team wrestling on the map. I'm like. What do you mean? They definitely did. <laughs> I'm not saying they weren't good, but how did Beer Money put tag team wrestling on the map? They were booked for like four years at the time, and tag team wrestling had about slightly longer. I love Dixie Butt a day. I do know... enjoy Beer Money. Is Dixie Carter not related to Deck, for Ant and Deck? <laughs> yeah, I'm like thing on STV or something, like a family tree hang. <laughs> That's so wild. That'd be an awkward if the banged and then found them on the family tree. Oh, I mean, I'd just <laughs> love to hear the story about why they were in the same sort of, like, situation. Like, why Dick and Dixie Carter were mingling at all. Family do, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been like an awkward wedding or funeral. Keep why, it in the family. Are we doing it that way? I mean... I'm too ugly even for that. I'm just going to be forever single even if I did try and keep it in the family. <laughs> what a statement to say. I'm going to see if we've got any <laughs> more Twitter questions they can I take away for the fact that I just said something incredibly weird. Well, take a mind <laughs> off it. Mind, mind uh, Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash had a match and Jarrett was not allowed to use a guitar, so he used a cello instead. <laughs> no. I don't I remember that, that's amazing. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it might have been fighting, was it? Well, I don't think it was the Kings of the Wrestling stuff, because of course they were together at that point, but. Um, and Macho Man turned up for two minutes at the end of that. Um, but yeah, he, he couldn't use a guitar, so he used a cello to hit Nash with to, to win. That sounds Braun Strowman esque. <laughs> like, he was doing the Strowman hang. Imagine Jeff Jarrett was doing all the Strowman hangs, ripping the set down and. Like, tip him up, tip him over the ambulance before Strowman did it. Get the grappling hook. Ah, I didn't like, day the pure Batman hang. That, I thought that was class. That got, like, rained down upon, but I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, I know that definitely didn't happen in TNA, but, like, it's still heavy good. But yeah, that's us for Twitter questions, so I think we can now wrap this beautiful episode about TNA up. Do you want to put any final thoughts in? Did Booker T commentate on his own match? In Chet Lemon and Black Snow. What? And, uh, and uh, Booker would come out during that and he would beat. He was doing a beat down in the ring and yeah, he had had his uh, royal gear on and going. Uh, Booker T's coming out there. Booker T's beat him down. Booker T. Booker T. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, Chet Lemon and Black Cat. Snow. That's worth a YouTube. That, that's getting YouTube actually directly after. After recording, what about you, Dean? Have you got any weird things to input that I can watch after this podcast? Is it is he frozen? <laughs> that's I, a... I just thought he was staring intensely. I that's 
that's just that is it's not even frozen, it's just thinking of your response. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's looking, it's like it's like somebody that doesn't know phones and technologies and he just opened his phone camera and accidentally took a picture of you himself instead of you. It looks like a 55 year old Brexit dad's Facebook profile picture. <laughs> Every podcast I'm on, I just start slagging Dean. I hate it. Uh, right, well, do you know what, Dean? You don't get a final thought, will you? <laughs> This video, put the video part up on social media. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely crying. Oh, that's my favourite technical error that's ever happened. (laughs) Can't do you wait until he does it. We have weird things that we can watch that isn't Dean Frozen. Don't know if it's weird, but Free Life Crew was great. Oh my God! Why? Right, I have a question about Free Life Crew before we go. Why did they become Free Life Crew? Why? Did Jesse James change his accent for talking slightly Hispanic to slightly in like Ebonics when he was speaking to either like either member of Free Life Crew? He changes his accent to speak to them and it's really strange <laughs> to say the least. Mind when he got a tag team title shot and Feast and Fired and he, t- he started teaming with his dad? I'd do that to you. Be fair, my dad's about a hard night. Also, big, big bullet Bob. Now uh, you've taken stuff fired though, before we go, what do you think to that concept? Oh. I I enjoyed it. I, I think, enjoyed it. I'd have liked it more if they didn't bring back every single person that they fired. Because yeah. then I like I didn't believe it after that. I was like don't although it did bring around O Dark the Great. And like that again we'll get every single Thank you, Grado. I know you're listening to this. Thank you so much for giving us Odarg. I'm forever grateful. Kurt's particularly grateful. I don't know about Billy. He's quite an ungrateful type of guy. But that, that that's the sign off for running. But so thank you for joining me. Dean can get the fuck. Dean's not getting a thank you for joining me. <laughs> and I don't know. We should do this. I'm just gonna like keep recording and do a fade out again as I always do. But uh, 